everyone. My name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is presented by Stats Coach. Stats Coach is a hockey analytics company which works with the minor and junior hockey community. For more information, visit www.statscoach.ca or contact statscoach at outlook.com. Today we're joined by Cameron Fimbo, former OHL scout and current account executive with MLSE and account manager with Octagon Hockey. Cameron is an energetic and relentless hockey mind who I was excited to get involved with the podcast from day one. He is always open to talking about hockey and is processed personally, making for an insightful and opening interview experience. With that, here is Cameron Fimbo, former OHL scout and current account executive with MLSE and account manager with Octagon Hockey. Today we're joined by Cameron Fimbo, executive with MLSE and client manager with Octagon Hockey. Cameron, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me, man. It's been been a long time coming. I know we tried to plan it a couple of weeks back, but glad we finally got to sit down and actually chat one on one. Yeah, for sure. Things kind of get piled up, and um, you know, obviously we had to push back a little bit, but I'm still excited to kind of get to finally talk to you here now, and um, we'll start talking about you and a little bit about your career. So just to yeah, start off. Away. Tell people where you're from, um, speak to your upbringing and family life, and then also your involvement in sport throughout your youth. Yeah, so uh, me right now, I've, I've been in Pickering pretty much since I was like two or three years old. I was born in Toronto, but I, I moved out here with uh, with my family when we were really young and then uh, grew up in, uh, in Pickering minor hockey and uh, just kind of played all my stuff there and didn't really take it too, too seriously up until I was probably grade six six or seven so I was probably like 10 or 11 years old and then um and then I I decided like I I just I wasn't really having fun in, in house league anymore and I wanted to see if I could move up but you know it's just such a packed organization like there there's not many spots to go there's only three teams like there's the the triple a double a and a and then they've got a little um ae and select division so um felt like I was ready to make the jump to rep but nobody really had a spot open for me so um, at 12, I was getting to the point where I was almost better than a lot of the kids on the A and AE team and went out for tryouts and got cut again. And I thought, like, what am I, what am I doing wrong? Like, I, I need to just, like, I, I need a break. I just need one break. And, um, and my dad, he actually talked to a couple of people and um, they said, you know, you should take him out to Markham and just see what he does up there. And went out to the tryout and they actually had an A and AE joint tryout and uh went out there skated and I was just shooting for the AE team and uh and then the A coach um after the second skate he uh he pulled us aside and said are you guys serious about this or is just like a skate and we said no we're we're in <laughs> let's do it so yeah so uh did the third tryout and then that's when I uh that's when I officially got told I was on the team so jumped over there and then uh came back to uh to Pickering when I was in high school played there for three years. And then in my last year of high school, went out to Markham and played in GTHL. And uh, after that, just uh, played junior C for Port Perry and uh, played a bunch of tournaments in the summertime with hopes of maybe going to junior B or junior A after. But, you know, university comes calling eventually. So it's just time for me to, to pack it up and, and go do school after that. But it was fun. I, I enjoyed my time there. My parents were really supportive. Um, went out of their way multiple times just to make sure that I could get to games and and get to practices and it helped too. I had a couple of friends from Pickering on my teams with, uh, with the waxers and then with the, uh, the Islanders out in GTHL. So it was a, it was a nice cap, nice cap to my playing days, but, um, 
yeah, no, we were always hockey fans growing up, played soccer too, played a little bit of t-ball when I was really, really young. Um, but yeah, it was fun. I uh, always, you know, had a, a passion for it. I always liked watching it and playing and a lot of my friends at school played hockey too. So that was kind of just, that was the thing. Like everyone just hung out at school and then on the weekends you just go play hockey together. Yeah, for and, sure. And uh, a, a lot of my best friends today are, are people that I met through hockey. So you know, it gave me a lot and I had a ton of fun doing it. And now we, we, I guess you could probably speak to it too. We're making, you know, a living off it now. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. And I like when people talk about the connections you make and you talk about connections you make as a scout or as an executive or whatever, but you know, a lot of friendships come from playing too. And I know a lot of my best friends growing up and, and people who I'm still really close with today came through hockey and, and even mm-hmm. coaches and everything and all these interactions and um, it's just cool to kind of hear your perspective playing and, and being able to, you know, kind of go to different organizations. I did that a little bit, uh, albeit at a, a much lower level, um, <laughs> but just kind of getting to interact with the little different communities and, and different teams and organizations. Um, Isn't it crazy too how people tell you like, oh, it's, you know, it's about the ride, like just focus on the ride. We'll all get to the end goal eventually, but they yeah. say like, you know, like mingle with the people you're with now because they're going to stick with you forever. And at the time I was like, no, like we're all going to go to university or we're going to go to different high schools. Like, no, I'm not really going to see anybody. And I still talk to them to this day. And they're yeah. like some of my best friends. I can't even imagine having my life without them now. Yeah, and even some sure. coaches too that I had, like some of them just had a really, really big impact on the way I handled myself, even in the classroom too. Like things that didn't even like relate to hockey. And I still think about them and like, some of the lessons that they taught me just about hard work and ethic and it still sticks with me to this day I thought like oh wow I guess they were right <laughs> yeah definitely and and that um those informal interactions like you said you don't even think about it and at the time you don't think it's gonna have an impact but but down the road it does and you talk about school a little bit in in your blurb there um you had the opportunity to attend both Brock and Carlton uh you know doing a little bit of sport management before switching over to some business and law uh, talk about your time at both of those schools and uh, how they prepared you to work in different areas of sports moving forward. Yeah, so um, I'll start with Brock actually because that was the that was year one for me. Like that was where I just dipped my toe in, in university life. But I was wrapping up my I did a fifth year of high school. I well I did a fifth semester. I didn't do a full year, but I did one extra semester. Um, played hockey. It was it was specifically just to play hockey. My grades were fine. I I could have went right after, but I figured you know, there's no rush right now. I don't really know what I want to do yet. So I'm going to take some time. And then as I was looking around, um, I had a lot of time because I I wasn't too wrapped up in, uh, in a bunch of classes. I only had two classes. So I had a lot of downtime and spares. So I had a lot of time to think right before I played at night. And I thought like, what do I really want to do right now? And I couldn't really go a day without thinking or playing about hockey. Like it just consumed me. My best friends were still playing and talking about it. And then I was watching it at nighttime if I wasn't playing it. So I thought like, what do I really want to do? And that was at the, that was in 2015. My last season was 2014, 15. And 2015 was at the time where uh, Kyle Dubas was actually getting hired out of, um, out of Sault Ste. Marie for the Leafs job. And I thought, whoa, he's, he's young. Like that's a big job. And uh, just kind of traced it back and found out they went to a school called Brock and uh, the infamous sport management program. So looked into it a little bit, found out Andrew Tinnish was there. Um, a friend of mine now, Brandon Curry, he's in there now too. We actually came in at the same time, but he was also a Brock guy. And there's been so many people that come at, came out of there, like in Guelph, the AGM at the time, Phil Golding, he was actually really good friends with Kyle still is to this day. And they, they were at Brock together. So it was like, I was looking around, it was like a who's who 
of, uh, of hockey right now. And they all got traced back to Brock for the most part. So went for a tour there and just really liked the overall atmosphere of it. A really big change. Wasn't too far from home. So I decided to go there. And when I was there, uh, I was there for about two or three weeks. And then that was my first time really being away from home. And it was, it was a big change. And I, I think back to it now, like at the time I was just, I was very kind of rebellious about it. And I thought like, oh, I don't really need to be here. Like, I, I just want to go home again. Like, I don't really need this. I'll just go do something else. But I think back to it now. And a lot of it was just, I think it was immaturity. And I, I wasn't being as open-minded as I could have, which I think everybody needs to be when they go to university. And that was the first time where my best friends weren't by my side. I didn't have parents to go home to at night. I was just strictly on my own. And in that sense too, you know, you get the stereotypical first year of university where, you know, everyone's making new friends and everyone's going out together and going to the bars. And um, I was always kind of a shyer kid. I, I wasn't too much of a, a loud kind of like drinking type. Um, and then I, I, it was quick. It was pretty apparent that the people in my block were, were that type. And if I were to make friends, I was going to have to kind of assimilate with them and, and get in with them. So um, it took me about a month to really start feeling comfortable per se and uh, made my friends there. And then that's when things really started taking off for me. But um, I think that first month was really influential in me deciding that I wanted to go somewhere else because it was just, I couldn't get it out of my mind that, you know, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I should go do something else. And at that point I was already scouting too. And I figured, you know, I'm, I'm fairly young right now. I'm only 19, 18 at the time, turning 19. And I figured if I'm scouting now, I could probably just kind of ride the wave here, improve each year. And then when I'm out of university, you know, I could probably still get a sport job without needing to complete a program that was designated in sport. So it was still in the back of my mind. And then it, it got to January, February. And that's when I, I pulled, or I, uh, I pulled the trigger and I thought I'm, I'm out of here. I, I need to go just do something else. And um, it was kind of funny too, because one week, or I think it was actually two days prior before I moved into residence, I was in Ottawa, my friend's, uh, frosh week. And, uh, we were over at Carleton on, on campus there. And there was just something about being in a city that was just so, it was just so fun. And I, I felt so at home there and I, I had friends there. So obviously I felt a little more comfortable and, and I think that really, not set me back, but that was still in the back of my mind. Like, well, I felt really good when I went to Ottawa. So that played into a big part of the decision-making process when I was deciding where I want to go next. And, uh, and it just happened to be Carlton. So I applied and um, sucked saying bye to everybody. And of course, on the last month and a half, like when we're all kind of winding down from the school year and we're all thinking about what we're going to do next year and people are signing leases to get into, into big houses together. I was in the process, but I wasn't like, I could see them getting really excited about it. But in my, in the back of my head, I knew that I was, I was out of there. So it was, it was fun. I learned a ton. Um, still, I don't talk to the pros a whole lot anymore, but um, you know, I still, I kept in touch with them on Instagram and social media and uh, yeah, everyone's doing good for the most part, but still a lot of the friends I made there are still people I see in the rinks today. Um, you know, see, like Brandon, like he and I are, are really good buddies now. And I met him in first year and I knew that he was, he was a go-getter and I knew he was going to be pretty good. So I figured, Oh, well, you know, I, I like watching him do his stuff and hopefully he likes watching me do my thing at the rink and you know now we're friends together. So it all kind of worked out, but um, that late, that played into my decision to go to Carleton. And I figured I kind of want something that is still business related, but maybe more so on the side of maybe the law where, any kind of business transaction that goes down, there is a, a side of it that is law related. 
So I figured this is the best program that I could do for myself and my end goals. And it was a, uh, it was a business law major. So we focused a lot on banking law and employment, um, contract law. And then the minor on the side of it was uh, for mainly like finance and accounting and just all the basic kind of business courses. And when we got into third and fourth year, we played a big focus on um, e-commerce. And then, of course, contract law, that was another big one. So I figured if I'm going to do any kind of management-related role in my career for hockey, I figured a law background was going to be really beneficial. So I figured this is the best program that I could do right now, given my qualifications, because I wasn't a big math guy in high school. And uh, it had all just kind of played into me being there for three years. Um, and then obviously I got my roles with, uh, with Guelph and, and Gatineau at that time. And you know, everything kind of came to a head in uh, 2019 and then moved on into my role now. Uh, I think there's a number of takeaways to take, you know, from that, um, from that bit you talked about there. First of all, you mentioned a number of names, Brandon Curry. Uh, that's one of the guys I talked to probably my first month at Brock and he's with Niagara now and uh, <laughs> Phil Golding. Uh, I talked to him, I believe, that for the first time at my last game, I scouted a minor midget before joining Sarnia. So, uh, you know what? I was actually at the OHL Cup with Phil, and we were watching Waterloo play, and it might have been on the Thursday or Friday, right before the finals happened. And um, I walked away from Phil because, like, he and I are kind of the same. Like, we both just like being alone when we scout. And then yeah. I walked away, and then I looked back after I sent him a text, and actually, you were there. And I'd seen you on Twitter before and I thought, oh, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. And then I talked to Phil after I was like, I think I've seen that guy. He's like, yeah, me too. Actually. I think I've seen him on Twitter. It's Ryan Stacy. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. I put the pieces together. Yeah. One of those, uh, you know, just like you said, there's so many connections and, and there the you network. go. There's another situation where you're, you know, I'm talking with Phil and in that same day, you were probably kind of talking with him as well. And um, yeah, yeah, he, he's a great guy. And obviously he's moved on with, uh, with Vancouver Canucks now and, yeah. I still talk to him every now and then, but there's so many yeah. uh, great people to meet. And, and you talk about your time at Brock kind of moving away from home. I had a similar situation, um, you know, coming from Newfoundland and being able to kind of yeah. be thrown into it. Um, I think you took a leap helped. of faith there. I, I moved an hour and a half away. You <laughs> flew across the country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely some, uh, I, I can agree though. Like there's some times where you're like, well, God, what am I going to do? I can't kind of move back or, or yeah. you're wondering what your next steps are. And, um, Maybe it's, kind such, of it's such an existential question too. Sorry to cut yeah. you off, but it's yeah, such an ahead. existential question when you're 18 to like sit in your dorm room and be like, where am I going? What am I doing? Like, do I, like, what am I even doing here? And then yeah. most of the time you just need to like, have a good night's sleep, just get up and, and just keep doing it. And yeah. after a couple of months of that, it was like, okay, now I'm starting to feel comfortable. So yeah, there's, it's definitely a lot of external factors you kind of have to get used to. And for me, um, it, it maybe helped that I don't really remember if it was part of the process or it was just by luck. I kind of got put on alcohol free floor. So maybe yeah. the, like you talk about the the party atmosphere or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I was definitely interacting with um, maybe a group that wasn't so uh, as, yeah. as you maybe say vocal, but um, yeah. definitely made a lot of friends to this form management program. And I, I made a good group of friends that made the transition to kind of being alone uh, away from my yeah. original group of friends much easier and actually met, on the first day, um, two guys, one of them being from New Brunswick, and the other was oh. actually from Upper Gullies, uh, just outside of St. John. So one of these yeah. crazy uh, two connections <laughs> that you kind of make and, and make it feel a little bit more like home. But I think it just awesome. goes to show that uh, in a situation like going to school, you really have to um, take a leap of faith. And, and sometimes you have to realize that maybe the initial step that you took 
um, isn't for you and maybe you need to take a step back. Um, I did the same thing when I kind of worked with Humboldt for a little while, was there for maybe two or three months and realized I needed to take something that was a little more um, maybe close to home. And at that time, it was Niagara Falls Canucks. So it's just one of those situations where um, while it does seem like a great idea or something that you're really excited about, it's it's okay to maybe take a step back and, and look at it from a different perspective. And obviously yeah. you made a pretty good decision going to Carleton. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and for those that went to Brock too, I was over in Quarry View. So I was on like the far, far side of campus where not much action went down. And then a lot of the, the busyness was happening over by like Lowenberger and, and Village and things like that. But yeah. just right away, I was feeling kind of out of sorts because I'm seeing all these other people, they're all so close together. They're all making friends. And then we're kind of, you know, we're kind of like the forgotten residents. Exactly. Like over the so I was just feeling kind of like excluded a little bit, but then my roommates were, um, they were super respectful, super quiet. And at the time I was kind of seeing that not as a negative, but I thought like this could be better, but I look back now and I'm like, I would love that. Exactly. <laughs> you were quiet all the time. Like that's what you want. If you want to get loud, you can go somewhere else. Yeah. You don't need to, to be in that all the time. But I feel like that really worked out near the end where I had a lot of study time where I could just be, with myself I didn't need to be around anybody and it was actually a blessing in disguise but yeah, yeah. not the worst in the world mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those things that you kind of take for granted and like I said I was on a quieter floor and I was in DQ residence so oh, yeah. uh, you know you're, you're you got eight different rooms and some of the rooms have two people so you're you're all on top of each other almost so having yeah. that peace and quiet and, and like you said sometimes you just need to get a good night's sleep and yeah um, you know that's not always case university and that's just the light the way the the kind of university experience goes and that's not that's to right. single out Brock or, or any university in that way but yeah it's, no. uh, it's just a learning process and everybody has their different takeaways and um, yeah like I said you obviously made a good decision going to Carleton and uh, for me I enjoy my time at Brock so uh, sure. moving on from school a little bit you touched on it briefly but you spent some time uh, scouting during those years uh, your first mm -hmm. position was with the Brampton Bombers uh, tell us how you yep. found yourself in that job and speak to your experience with Brampton yeah so Brampton that was like that was like the first one that really broke me in like they they didn't really have a whole lot for me to kind of learn from like I was more so just on my own but um the way I got there was actually through a friend of mine who uh who's still working in hockey today TJ Clark he's based out of Niagara now but um at the end of my playing days I was doing a lot of tournaments in the summertime just to kind of get up the pace with people that were playing junior and playing triple a and I mean, like I'm a double A kid and I figured like if I could skate with these guys in the summer and just like kind of kind of measure up to them, I figured I could go into my season and just already be ahead of the curve. So um, TJ actually gave me a really big opportunity just playing. And then near the end of it, I told him like, eh, I don't really know if I want to play tournaments this summer. It's a lot of travel. I'm kind of burnt out. And uh, I wasn't really sure if I was passionate about it anymore. But I think looking back now, I was more so just burnt out. I just needed a, a change of scenery. And uh, at the time I told him I'm going to school. Um, you know, I'm known for sport management. I don't know where I want to land yet, but I know that it, I want it to be hockey. Like there was no other sport for me that I wanted to pursue. It was strictly hockey, still is hockey. Um, you know, I haven't really thought about anything else, but he said, okay, well, if you're going to do that, I don't really want you to leave completely. Cause he's like, I think you're just burnt out. I don't think you're, you're losing your passion for this. I think you just need a break. So he said, try this. Um, it's not going to be paid. It's, it's not going to be expensed or anything like that. Like, this is just, if you want to do it, here you go. And I thought, well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to take it. And Niagara, I knew at the time had, they had a bit of buzz behind them with, uh, with the North stars at the, at that time, that was the year with uh, Adam McMaster and Hunter Holmes and Riley yeah. McCourt. 
So um, I figured like, oh, they got a pretty good, pretty good system coming up here. And then junior B is right there. So I figured like, geez, okay, more than enough here to, to get my eyes on. So I uh, went out there. First tournament of the, the year for them was the, it was like a little kind of play in tournament almost in uh, the Gale Center, Niagara and junior B teams came in. So they were playing London, the nationals. Um, and then they were playing, it might've been Brantford at the time, maybe. Uh, so I was just kind of watching, oh no, it's Caledonia. That's who it was. And I was watching that and it was actually pretty good hockey. Caledonia always has a pretty good team, but I saw that and I thought, oh my God, okay, there is life out here. Okay, yeah, sign me up. I'm going to scout. I'm going to scout Junior B. And uh, I kept in touch with him. He was the assistant GM at the time. And then the uh, the owner was uh, Dave Arsenal. So he owned the Orangeville Flyers team at the time too. So I was doing the scouting for about two months and then it just kind of dawned on me, like if he owns both teams, I'm, I'm looking at a subset of players that might not be junior A ready, but they might fit into junior B. So in that case, are they going to be top end triple A players or are they going to be players that are coming along that might need a year or two in junior B? But I figured if I'm watching these teams anyways with really high end skill, I might as well just be doing it for the junior A team as well. So I got in touch with their head scout, Paul Machia or Machia, sorry. <laughs> um, and I uh, got in touch with him and then we talked to Dave and uh, Paul said, I can't cover everything myself. Like I'm in, I'm in Toronto and GTHL is big enough as it is. And we've got somebody down in Niagara that's going to watch everything out there and then bring them up to Brampton. So it just kind of uh, led one thing to another. Um, me and Paul really got close together. I still, I actually talked to him two weeks ago with, um, with his new team. Now he's the president of a Downsview hockey club. So he's, uh, he's doing well for himself, but that was another network connection that just stuck with me all throughout my time scouting. But that's how I got my feet wet with, uh, with the bombers and Orangeville. And again, it wasn't paid per se, but I didn't even care. I thought I can attach scout to my name. I can watch hockey. Like, this is great. And then we went to the camps at the end. Um, really good coaches at the time too. We had uh, Jamie Caruso with the Orangeville Flyers and he went on the next year to coach for the Steelheads. He was the defense coach for the Mississauga Steelheads. So really, really insightful guy. Um, super accommodating. Never made me feel like I didn't belong in the, in the, the draft. Well, I'm not going to say the draft room, but he always made me feel included in the decisions for selecting players that were going to go on to main camp. And then if I had players that I'd found that I thought, you know, deserve a shot at camp. He was always very, very open to hearing about them and having them out. So he uh, he put a lot of trust in me. So I, I can't thank him enough for that. I hope he's doing well. I don't know if he's in hockey right now, but he was a really instrumental guy. And of course, TJ too and Dave, they they gave me the opportunity. And Dana Baker too. I think he's involved with the uh, the Georgetown Raiders right now. But um, yeah, that was that was a really good year. I, I look back on that, and it was actually some players and people that I met in the rink there that I'm still looking at today. Like I still talk to some of the players have gone on now to D1, D3 scholarships. Some of them have gone on to the OHL. Some of them went on to CIS. So it was like, it was a really nice year coming back on every weekend. So again, missed, missed a lot of parties, but <laughs> came back on the bus every weekend, uh, watched GTHL on the Saturdays and Sundays. And Sunday was the day where they had like six games happening over at Chesswood. So I'd go out there and just bang them out. And then uh, that night I would get a ride back to, to Brock and then uh, start the week all over again. So it was a lot of fun. It was that cutting teeth year where you're not necessarily getting any kind of monetary value off it, but the experience was everything to me at that time. So For sure. And in that yeah. experience in the people always are interested in hearing, what was that initial experience? And like you said, it was with Branton, then kind of getting involved with Orangeville and 
and um, you know, grinding your teeth at like you said, Chestwood Arena. I'm sure you know, game five or six, your your feet are starting to say, okay, it's time to get out of here. It's yeah, uh, you yeah. know, certain rinks exactly. are uh, are not as easy as others, but um, just one of those experiences where we're able to uh, you know, like you said, make more connections and Dana Baker's a name I, I believe I've talked with a few times, and I recognize all the yeah. names you mentioned there. And yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, hockey's just a, a tight, close knit community, and you never know, like you said, uh, all those people have gone on to different organizations and, and different teams at different levels, Georgetown, Mississauga. Um, yeah. So there you go. You're, Hockey's small. You're, Hockey's yeah. small, man. Everyone sticks around and uh, people move around, but you always see the same few faces and you're like, okay, well, I should probably get to know them now because I'm going to see them for the next yeah, 10, exactly. 15 years. Exactly. And, and you know, put your, uh, your best foot forward during that time and then uh, you know, people associate you with uh, your good work that you're doing. So while yeah. you're with two of those teams and, and while that kept you busy, you also jumped at the opportunity to scout in Ontario for Gatineau of the QMJHL. Right. Uh, how did you land that position and that being your first one in the CHL? And then talk about one, the role of scouting in Ontario for a Quebec team and two, the transition to the CHL. Yeah, so that one was like I think I was ready at that time I thought I was ready at that time and I I felt like I had done a lot of what I wanted to do at the junior A level so I was starting to look around a little bit and I don't like doing that I don't really like looking around for other roles when I'm still in one with another team but I figured like this is a career advancement thing um I feel like I I could do a little bit more than what I'm doing right now so I went down to the draft in uh in Buffalo in 2016 um, went on my own dime. I, I, I needed to go. I needed to be a part of that. And when I was there, um, I'm, again, kind of shy. Didn't really like talking to a bunch of people there. So we went to the conference in the morning, and then we went to the actual draft at night. And when I was there, um, I was just walking around, taking in the venue, um, taking in the picks, and then I was just getting ready to leave. And I'm in one of the tunnels that goes out. And, uh, and Tony Granato actually walked up the rampway or up the stairs and then he passed by me. So I just gave him a little head nod and that was literally the exchange. <laughs> just gave him a little head nod. And uh, when he walked past me, I, I turned around and, uh, and Benoit Gru was there. And I thought, oh, I've seen him on TV before. I know who he is. And uh, he was talking to somebody, so I didn't want to bother him, but I just stayed and just kept an eye on him um, over in the corner. And then as I saw him about to leave, I thought, I got to do it. I have to, I have to go talk to this guy. And he did, he, like, he'd been the coach for the team with McDavid and Domi and Duclair. Like he, and he's, he's a Quebec league legend. Like he is the man. And now his son's doing really well for himself. So I figured I have to talk to this guy. Um, so I pretty much ran down the hallway on him. <laughs> Not my favorite memory, but I ran down the hallway on him and um, was yelling, Hey, hey, Benoit, Benoit. And he turned around and, and God bless him too. He gave me like five, 10 minutes when he was about to leave. Like he didn't need to do that, but he did. And that changed everything for me. I said, I'm, I'm 19. Um, don't tell me the obvious. I know I'm, I'm young, but I really want to do this. I've been pursuing this. I've driven like hundreds of miles already. I, I'm in, I need to do this. So if there's anything at all that I could do, just let me know. And he said, well, you know, it's not, really out yet but I'm going to Syracuse next year and um, the guy coming in he might need one in Toronto but I'll keep you posted so he took my business card uh, forwarded it to Marcel Patinot who's uh, who's I think he's the director of hockey operations for Hockey Quebec now so um, he was in that role for a little bit with the Olympique but uh, he forwarded my card to him again didn't have to but I'm sure he gets a, a ton of inquiries every day but he, he did it 
and uh and then i got a call a week later and it was from marcel so we talked a little bit on the phone and he's like eh I need somebody in Toronto, but I, you know, like, I don't know how much realistically we could pay them and uh, like, what's the effect going to be of that bringing them to camp? Cause then they had to pay for players in Ontario coming over and, uh, and we talked it out, but eventually it just kind of landed on, you know, this is the right thing to do. And I was staying in Toronto for my first semester of Carleton anyways, cause I was taking a lot of online classes and, uh, and that like looking back, it sucked being at home because everyone was at Carleton having fun and, you know, they're already in second year at that point. But it was the best thing that could have happened because I got to cut my teeth with a Q team at that time. And uh, and the whole process of me scouting Ontario for the Quebec team, to answer the second part of that question, it was good up until the OHL U18 draft came into play. And then a lot of my guys that I had pegged as like guys that I wanted to invite to camp, they all ended up getting picked. And I was like, Oh man, there goes a whole season of work. But uh, Marcel is really accommodating about that. He's like, no, I get it. It, it happened. Um, we kind of knew it was probably going to happen, but no worries. Like whoever you can find, just let's talk. And I uh, had about five guys that I took over, but uh, the process was, it was interesting because you weren't looking for draft eligibles. So I didn't see any minor midget that year. And um, you were looking for players who had maybe kind of aged, not aged out, but were over that, you know, 18 age or maybe 17 that were looking for a place to go. So I was looking at a lot of OJHL games. I watched a couple junior B games too. And then most of it was just GTHL and OMHA midget. And then, of course, once the midget draft came, then a lot of those guys got locked off. So I was just watching mainly OJ at that time, but um, still had about four or five guys that we took out to camp. But it was it was good. It was a really insightful experience. The language barrier was tough because I don't speak French. Um, but, you know, we, we worked through it. And uh, that was my first time using RinkNet, which I ended up using for every role I had after that. So it was a good kind of dip your toe in the water experience. And it gave me a little bit of clout too. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm in the CHL now, which is what I wanted to do ultimately. But, um, but yeah, it was all, all good things to say about the team. It was first class, you know, they, they took care of me well. They, uh, they paid me a little bit. It wasn't a ton, but again, it wasn't about the money for me. It was just about getting that CHL scouting experience under my belt. And uh, we accomplished that. So it was all worth it. That's great. And, you know, it goes to show that somebody obviously uh, took a liking to you and kind of gave you uh, almost like took a leap of faith, kind of giving you a, an interesting position, especially in the queue. You know, a lot some teams don't really have that Ontario scout or, or somebody looking outside the organization or, or outside yeah. of the regular draft zone. And, uh, you know, being here in Newfoundland, I even know some teams don't really have a scout out here, even though we have yeah. kind of some teams. So it's, it's one of those those things where um, they were kind of thinking outside the box, uh, maybe from a traditional scouting staff or whatever it may be, and, and kind of gave you an opportunity. And like you said, pay might have not been, you know, prominent or anything like that, but you still <laughs> had the opportunity to say, okay, here, I'm in the CHL. I'm, you know, yeah. 19, 20 years old, and this is what I'm doing with my life. Yeah, and I, I really wanted to take that and just hit it as far as I could. Like, I took that role, and there wasn't much direction because they're obviously they're focused on Quebec and – you know, Eastern Canada-based players that they could draft for their draft because it, it was that was the main priority. So I was just kind of like a territory scout, which isn't to diminish that title at all because it's still relevant to having kids out to camp. Yeah. But that role, like they they didn't really give me a whole lot of direction. They just said find players, keep a list of keep a short list of about ten, and then you know just check back periodically. And then when it comes time to invite 
then we can, you know, we can have a talk about it. But there was a couple cases here and there where they wanted me to go watch certain players in particular. And when they gave me that direction, I was all in. I was there early. I was there like half hour early to the game. I was like, notepad out. I was like, I was wired on coffee. I was ready to go for when I saw those players. And then I gave them what I thought was a pretty accurate representation of who the player was. And, and, you know, you can't ask for much more than that. Right. I I gave my two cents and I did what they asked of me. So. For sure. And I think at any stage, and I, I can kind of feel the same way that, you know, you're, you're in somebody's volunteer roles and they're kind of just saying, you know, go ahead and, and do what you can. But when you get that message, say, okay, I need this player. This is the guy we're looking at. You kind of just take it yeah. up another level and, and what, what it was maybe for some a hobby now it turns into, okay, this is my career moment. You almost come yeah. in with that approach. Like this you're is going to make or break me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You get in that, like you said, the players kind of have that, uh, mentality of like game mode or goalies who don't like to be talked with it's like you kind of sit up by yourself and you're like the other scouts like just you know don't kind of approach me like I'm I'm in the I'm in the zone here and uh, you know take that as you will yeah um, I had the face on too I had the game face <laughs> on like I can't I, I kind of think back to that sometimes like what did other scouts think of me when I walked in like I was just kind of stone face the entire time <laughs> yeah. but I'm usually a pretty smiley guy and like I like joking around a little bit but I had to kind of change that because I'd always thought that scouting was like a serious thing that yeah. you know you can't talk to anybody obviously it's not true there's there's times to be serious and then there's times to to riff and joke around with other scouts too but I was just zoned in like I had my paper and my coffee and I was just dialed in <laughs> yeah for sure and um yeah, like you said, there's obviously opportunity to kind of joke around and especially with scouts on other teams kind of saying like, uh, you know, where's your glasses to and what are you looking at here kind of thing. But uh, <laughs> it's great to, uh, like you said, dial in on those moments and, and hopefully get the best results from it. Um, yeah. Around the time you finished in these scouting positions, uh, you took the position with Oshawa doing some uh, ticket sales in that department in the summer of 2017. Uh, talk about the task of selling tickets at the OHL level and the experience of working on the business side during that particular yeah. summer. That was probably my, that was the most fun I think I've had in a summer in university. Cause it was, it, it was so, it was so small town, but it was like, we got so much creativity. Like they gave us such a long rope with what we could do. And that was my, that was my team growing up, like growing up in Pickering, the gens were my team. I loved watching them play and getting the opportunity to actually sell for them or work for them. It was like a dream come true. So um, it was a summer job for me. They were doing something called the summer road tour. And we went to a bunch of different community events around at, um, you know, like Canada day down at the lake, or we would have like Tim Hortons camp day. So we set up at a couple of Tim Hortons around Oshawa and Whitby. And we would just go to like little fun fairs at elementary schools. And it was me, um, Abby Perfetti, who's actually the sister of Cole Perfetti. So uh, that's how I first heard of Cole, actually. And then uh, and then another kid named Cody Evans. But we were working for a guy named Joe Crimmy, who was the uh, the community manager at the time, who I actually worked with like two weeks ago with uh, MLSE on something. But um, he gave us the opportunity and came in. I'd never sold anything before. And I thought, I, I think I can talk like I. I'm kind of shy, but like, if I know what I'm talking about, then I can, I can pipe up a little bit, but, um, interviewed for the role, got it. And then we went around and it was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. We got to set up a table, we set up the tent and then we had a, a blow up thing where kids could shoot pucks into. And, um, yeah, we just talked to people about the team and that was my first dosage of being on the business side of a team. So just getting to know the the inner workings of how things went with ticket sales and, um, just overall how to engage with the community because it was an OHL team and it's 
they're a diehard fan base out there in Oshawa. They yeah. love their team. So just getting to actually share that passion with other people that had the same passion, it was so much fun. But um, learning everything from like little flex pack sales or maybe even talking to people about season memberships and then just diving in on what they what they value as a customer or a potential customer if they've never watched hockey before. And then, you know, talking to them and asking the right questions to uncover what they enjoy doing with their kids during their free time. Or if they've, if they are hockey fans, then great. Then, you know, have you been out to a game? If they haven't then like, let's have a conversation. So it was, it was a really good opening experience for me to learn how to talk to people one-on-one and then at the same time, learn the business side of it. And it was, it was like a dream summer. Like we would go in the morning and play shinny together. So like Roger Hunt would come out and skate with us and like the rest of the ticket sales staff, they were out there. So we played three on three and it was, it was a ton of fun. So uh, we did that in the morning and then in the afternoon we would go and, and do ticket sales. So um, really good time. And it actually helped get me my position now selling tickets with uh, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, but really pivotal summer in, uh, in my career path for sure. I think it's a it's a vital experience for anybody kind of getting in hockey. Uh, for me, I didn't really have the maybe the direct ticket sales, but when interning with the Newfoundland Growlers, I was there for the playoffs and then into right. the off season. And um, we definitely did like the flex packages. And I remember going down to the regatta and doing like the community event, shooting pucks and selling tickets, yeah. raffle tickets, and things like that. And um, I did community events. I was in the body of the puffin costume, doing that whole thing, you know. Uh, <laughs> in there some days for like hour and a half and and you know wondering if you're uh, gonna pass out from the heat in there but I think just oh, being man. on that side of things and and having that perspective <laughs> especially talking with fans and and seeing exactly why they're like gravitate towards the team obviously in Oshawa you have Oshawa Whitby and all that area Ajax and then um, maybe with Newfoundland it's, it's the whole province almost but uh, you kind of gain that perspective and how things work and the business side of things and they really uh, you can take away things from that and then apply it in hockey operations or, or whatever you do moving forward. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was huge, too, like getting the opportunity to talk to people who didn't really have like some of them had an interest in talking to you because they know the gens and they think you're interesting. And then they come over and find out that we're selling stuff. Some people just don't want to be bothered with that. Yeah. But then if people were passing by and we we're having a bit of a dry spell of selling anything, then we almost have to force the conversation. And you really find out a lot about how to communicate with people when they think you're going to sell them something. They're very guarded. But if you open it up with, hey, what brings you out today? It's more of like an open kind of just conversational question. Like, oh, we're out with the family today. And then right there, you have so many avenues you can take that conversation into, into leading it back to hockey. So that actually helped me a ton with my, my next role with the Storm and being able to converse with people that not that they didn't have an interest in what I had to say, but it was just like, it was kind of like a power distance thing where I'd seen some of the staff members on, uh, on T- like TSN and on YouTube and during OHL games. And they're kind of intimidating at first, but I mean, it was kind of the same thing where I would almost be intimidated to talk to people for ticket sales, but you find a way to communicate with them. And then that just leads to so many avenues on how to deal with people in hockey that it uh it was really beneficial again it was such a fun summer like I look back and I, I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity because it was me checking off a dream job on my list and then I get to learn at the same time and just have fun and and just talk about hockey with people like it was, it was the yeah. best it's like what we're doing now we're just talking yeah. hockey. exactly um so you know we kind of go back to the school aspect a little bit uh while attending Carleton you helped organize the Raven Sport Business Club um, touch on that experience, your role there, and what you learned during your involvement in that whole process. 
Yeah. So with the the Raven Sports Business Club, um, the idea came from the one that Brock had actually, the sport management club. And with me leaving that and going to a school where they didn't have any kind of sport management or sports business focused club or program or course, that, um, it was a conversation with my parents that I had to have saying, no, 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 I still want to work in sports. I'm just going to go a different route. And I guess in like a way of trying to prove that to them, I thought, well, I could start this. Like, that'd be pretty cool. So it was actually, um, I drafted it. Like I had my dad draft up uh, a couple logos that we could have used for the club. And we called it, what was the name? It was the Carlton Sports Business Association. So CSBA. And then we had like a shield made up and everything like that. But um, put it out there. My heart was beating like a mile a minute. And I actually thought of the idea at like 6 a.m. when I was driving my dad to to the bus that day I had to go out and find jobs so I was like taking his car to go for job interviews and I thought about it at 6 a.m and I was just so tired and I thought like that's pretty cool actually I'm gonna, I'm gonna look into this so I went on the club page I didn't see anything and then uh and then we started it but um took it to the uh the student association uh said this is what I want to do and then we started getting the ball rolling on it and then shortly after um we got the ball rolling the athletics department got wind of it and they thought like oh well, we've, we've kind of been looking at doing something similar too. So um, Cheryl Hunt, she's the, um, oh, I'm, I'm blanking on her title, but I, th- I believe she's a director with the athletic department there, but uh, she reached out with the, the student association. They said, let's sit down and have a conversation to see if we align on uh, some of these ideas. And uh, it was just, it was gangbusters after that. We, we were off to the races. They had somebody working for them named Lauren Gallant. Um, she was, uh, she was the president. I was the, uh, the executive vice president and we went through everything from filing like the, the name brand, uh, Raven sports business club under the school association had a logo made up, got athletics on board with it. And then we went into the hiring process of getting everybody for corporate sponsorship to, uh, marketing and merchandise, um, like student engagement, game day operations. So we're making all these divisions that would give other people who had similar interests that experience that they would need to go off into other roles in sports. Cause it's it, like, you know, it's pretty hard to get experience in yeah. sports when it's such a small kind of niche field and there's not many opportunities. There's maybe like one or two interns per, per team at a time. So this was like one big platform where all these different people could come in, figure out what they want to do. We gave them full freedom to move across divisions. If they wanted to get their, their feet wet in corporate sponsorship, by all means come out, see what we do. And then, you know, you're getting applicable experience that way. But um, that was something that was uh, we worked on over the summer when I was with the gens at the time. Um, and then when I went back to school, then we hit the ground running and we had a, a series of dates lined up in early September where it was like frosh week. And then we had the, the football home opener and uh, the men's and women's ice hockey teams. They're doing their home opener a little bit later on. So we had all these planning, uh, all these planning phases for these cool projects that we we're going to work on. And um, again, like connected with all of them on LinkedIn, still keep up with them to this day. And, um, and uh, yeah, Cheryl was Cheryl and Lauren and the Ravens athletic department. They were so pivotal in, in helping get that off the ground. They're still rolling with it now, but so many people have come out of that and gone into other sports roles that uh, I guess it, I guess it served its purpose. So yeah, that, that's yeah, great. Definitely, uh, definitely got the chance to help people out, which is what it's all about. Right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely what it's uh, what it's all about. And I like the way you put it there and, uh, it kind of goes to show your initiative as well. And like you said, 6am kind of looking for jobs and driving around. And I, I definitely got to that process too, the, the interviews oh, yeah. and, and all that. And uh, sometimes it's the jobs you want and sometimes it's the jobs that you don't want. You just kind of got to go for it. But 
It's that know. phrase that sticks with you, like, where am I going and what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. that just that was like a six AM thought. I was half asleep yeah. and I was driving and I thought, Oh, that's cool. We should do that. Yeah. I think that is uh that's almost kind of the thought I have with this. It was like, Well, I need yeah. some time. I got some time. What should I be doing to kind of stay involved with people and uh, now you're famous? Say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, far from it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to move forward a little bit more, in July of twenty seventeen, you gained what would many would consider a, you know, a more involved scouting role in Ontario as part of the Guelph Storm staff. Uh, how did you become a scout there with the Storm and how was your time working within that organization? I know you talked on working with Phil and, and the people there. Wow, what a, what a game changer that was. <laughs> that, that set me up for what I have now and I, like, I think back to how lucky I was to get that and, and how fortunate I was to work with the people that I got the chance to work with and it's it was crucial. It was crucial in what I'm doing now too, but um, to take you back to the start of it. So I was wrapping up with Gatineau at the time, figured I'm probably not going to stay here. I'm, I don't speak French. I can't do much in the Gatineau office, even though we kind of talked about what I could do in the office there. The language barrier was going to be a really tough thing to get around. And I just figured, I don't know if I'm going to get the the experience or not the attention, but like, I don't think I'm going to be taken as seriously if I go there and I'm, I'm an English speaking person coming over to work in a, a French speaking community. I don't know how much value I'd really have for them. So it just didn't seem like the right move. And, um, you know, I'll thank them for everything, but sent in the resignation saying, thanks for everything. I appreciate it. But I, you know, my goal is to work in the OHL now and I, I think I'm going to go try and pursue that. So went out on a limb and, uh, just, I went into game mode. Again, I started compiling info on the teams that didn't have an Ottawa scout and then uh, came down to a small handful of them. And then from there, I got emails for Phil and George. And um, I don't think Wade had been appointed yet as head scout, but he was probably in the works at that time and uh, compiled a bunch of data on the recent draft picks for the U18 draft that came out of HEO and then the players that moved on for the minor midget OHL draft. And over the last two seasons, it was pretty remarkable to see how many kids got taken out of those drafts from Ottawa, which was a territory that, you know, I guess kind of gets the, the, the bad rap as not being as, as skilled as GTHL. And it's just a smaller league in general. So, I mean, I guess it's, it's kind of warranted. But uh, put together all this data and I thought, you know, a team's probably at a really big disadvantage if you don't have somebody in Ottawa. And kind of put, I put like a little benefit statement in there being like, this is what I can do. This is what I can offer a team. Sent out the emails to Guelph and did not expect to hear anything. And then a week later, um, I just got out of the shower actually. And then I was walking downstairs and then my phone rang and it was a Guelph, it said Guelph, Ontario. And it said George Bernat. And I was like, oh my God, here we go. This is it. Yeah. And uh, picked it up and it was George. Um, we talked a little bit about, you know, some of the stuff that I had sent over and then he wanted to know if I could come down and meet with him. Um, so hopped in my mom, I didn't even have a car at the time. And my mom was at work when she works around the block from our house. She came home on lunch and then I, I said, I need the car. Like you don't understand. I need this thing. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, drove her back to school and then hit the highway. And I was like smiling ear to ear the whole way and got there, met with Phil, met with George and, um, I, I spoke to them for probably about 45 minutes to an hour, told them a little bit about what I did with Orangeville, with the Bombers, um, what I was going to school for currently, and then um, I worked with the Olympique, and if I was going back to Ottawa full-time. And they said, yeah, we, uh, George had just come in at that time from Flint, and, uh, and that was when Mike Kelly was on his way out. And they said, we like having a guy in Ottawa typically. We don't know 
you know, what it's going to look like. You know, so, so don't take this as a yes, but, um, you know, we're, you know, we're sitting talking. So I figured, okay, that's cool. And, uh, and left the, left the, uh, the interview and I just had a really good feeling about it. I felt like I had done really, really well in it. I felt comfortable, but I had no idea where to go after that because obviously it's hockey, things happen and, and things can, things can change on a dime. So I did not know what the next steps were, but, uh, we talked and, and things were looking good. And then I, I got the official word near the end of the summer that, um, that they were, they were going to give me the opportunity to come out and, and work with them. So went to training camp, met all the, the new scouts there and, um, came in at a time where Justin Barry, he was the uh, SCTA scout. He's out in Ancaster, but he came in at the same time when we were both new and we roomed together and I got to meet uh, Jim Mancuso, who's still there in uh, Northern Ontario and, um, and all the other guys. And then Wade, obviously, who was the head scout. So um, got to get my feet wet there and then move out to Ottawa full time and just hit the ground running from there. But that was my first opportunity in the OHL that I was not going to let fade away I thought again like we talked about earlier if they said okay we're looking at minor midget now and you're going to rank players this time and I wanted to compile data file reports and I was salivating at the opportunity to get to do that finally so um, I made it a note that yeah I'm the Ottawa guy but I'm going to be everywhere and you're going to see me everywhere too on the reports and you're going to see me in person at games in Guelph too so went from Ottawa to Niagara to Guelph to Hamilton to Whitby like everything I went everywhere and I came home on reading weeks and attended games at Scotiabank Pond and Westwood and Chesswood and uh, I was all over the place that year but like talk about a learning year that was the learning year where I was around people who had been in the game for so long and getting to learn from George and learn from Wade and then be around with Phil all the time and, and just getting to know other people around the game and getting to know their perspective on players. It was, it was crucial. I mean, learning how to scout and how to evaluate properly. So um, that's pretty much how it started. And then that led to what was two years, two years at the time. But again, the Ottawa loop was, it was pretty cool to get to watch that because they had guys like Sean McGurn and Kyle McDonald. He's now with, um, uh, now with the Windsor Spitfires and um, Nolan Seed, who's with the Owen Sound Attack. And, uh, that was the first year I was with them. And then the second year, that was the Dylan Peterson year and Donovan Sobrango. So getting to see players like that, it was like, you can't really ask for a better crop to kind of cut your teeth on yeah. and get to evaluate them and get to watch them on a weekly basis. So that was a lot of fun getting to do the, getting to do all the long road trips together, going to Peterborough for the tournaments and the the Marley's tournament, go to Whippy together. And it was like, it was a dream come true that I got to do that. So I, I can't thank them enough for giving me the opportunity. It sounds, again, just an, another crazy experience and you kind of took it, you know, put your all into it and you kind of talk about it almost like hijacking the car in the middle of the day from your mom to kind of go down and get the interview and, and making that effort, you know, a lot of people will say, okay, if I'm an Ottawa scout, that's where I'm going to be in Ottawa. You're not going to see me anywhere else. But, uh, you know, me personally, I seem like, uh, you know, there's a couple scouts, you, uh, Tristan Whitley is another one who comes to mind that I, I literally, I couldn't go to an everywhere. arena. Yeah. I couldn't go to an arena and not run into, or at least see you guys somewhere in the arena. Um, yeah. If there was three scouts that I could always rely on seeing at a rink, number, one of them, John and Kiriakou, when he was there, that guy was everywhere. We, we play on the same men's league team now and everything. We're really good friends. Yeah. And then uh, he was with the Ottawa 67s as the director of player development. Um, ben Gallant, another one. He's with the Steelheads right now. He is everywhere. Yeah. That guy, him and Gregory Hickman, they're all over the place. And then the other ones were um, were Brandon, and then uh, and then Willie. I saw them everywhere, and I thought, yeah. well, if they're doing it, I'm gonna do this too, and I'm gonna see you there. You'll see me in London on a Saturday, and then you'll see me in Ottawa on Sunday. 
there's there's no question in my mind but i'm gonna do i'm gonna do as much as i can right now and i'm gonna learn as much as i can and that was the mentality for my two years there yeah and and that's a perfect mentality to go by and when people see that commitment obviously they'll give you more responsibility and and it seems like that's kind of how it went with guelph and uh having the trust from management and phil and, and george and those people who uh, obviously had a number of connections, you know, it probably helped uh, learning from them and, and bouncing your ideas off of them. And, um, and the team was fairly successful during that time as well, uh, as you know. So yeah, we had a uh, pretty good run. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a, just a great experience overall and something that you'll probably look back on for quite some time and say, you know, this is uh, that was a big step in my career. Yeah, um, and not not to dwell too much on it, but that like, I know I came in two years before we won that championship, but, um, you know, whether you want to make the argument, like, was I really a part of that? Was I not? I was on the ride for two years. So to me, that was like, I did it. Like when we won the championship, I, like when I actually got to, to take in the atmosphere and be on the ice and actually like hold the, the J. Ross Robertson in my hands and be like, all the nights that I was on a bus in St. Catharines at like 11 o'clock and I, I was up and down the road, I murdered my car all that gas money, all the bad coffees and bad food <laughs> that we eat and drink, it's like, it, it was worth it. Like everything panned out the way I wanted it to. So For it was sure. just like, what a moment just to be a part of that and get, get to just like share it with people that you've been on the same grind with for yeah. the last few years. And you see all the work they put in and then that inspires me to do more work and then just get to hold it in my hands. I was like, wow, not many people get to do this so i'm no. just gonna relish in this and just enjoy it and i still have the ring over there actually <laughs> yeah it's, it's in my office set up here but it's uh it was a big piece and uh it was a big piece of my life and i'm i'm just so lucky so fortunate yeah. that i got to do that and and to take it from another perspective um you know i was kind of maybe not you were there a little bit longer before they won championship when i went with newfoundland i joined yeah. uh just before the playoffs there and we actually That's ended right. up going on to the championship and I can remember awesome, the same experience being on the ice and kind of thinking like, oh my God, like I was a part of this and it wasn't even really that long, but I remember Trevor uh, Murphy, who was the director there and they kind of brought me in. He came over and tapped me on the shoulder and he said, not a bad start to an internship, huh? Like, you know, for yeah. like a month in and, and I was there, you know, with the team and, and getting to be a part of that experience. And uh, while I know, know that a lot of the work was obviously just a team and I was kind of just, uh, you know, almost on the coattail starting off kind of just enjoying what's going on <laughs> for me it was um, one of those things that I thought to myself you know I, this is something that I get to see right at the beginning I might never be in a position to win a championship again but yeah at least I can see behind the scenes how a championship is won and that caliber and, and yeah just that just that feeling of, of being on the ice and, and people going crazy it was almost like a a thing that I'm going to be for the rest of my career saying I got to get back to that stage I got to get back to the, on the ice and and hopefully yeah. next time around I'll be you know more involved in the the upbringing of it yeah and that sticks with you too like being in the rinks and seeing some of the older scouts that have been doing this for like 20 years and some of them don't even have a ring and yeah. it's it's the way it goes like you have one championship winner in an OHL season out of 20 and that's their their one team a year and it's extremely hard to get there even yeah. when you get deep into the playoffs like round three and and even into round four it is such a an up and down ride and like Guelph was down in every series except for series one against Kitchener and like I'll be the first to admit in the back of my mind like I'm not counting them out but I'm seeing them like okay three games down not looking great okay what do we do now and then George just put together like a master class of coaching <laughs> and uh with like Chad Wiseman like just to be a part of that and 
and like just to get to see everything from the get-go and, and be a part of that ride it was like some guys never get here some of them never get here and and we we're here right now we're a part of this and we get to say that we we were a part of that forever like it lives forever exactly. and it's it's such a it's such a special moment just to be a part of that it was it was so great yeah and i think anybody uh looking into your story and kind of learning about that path it's something to admire and um like i said and, and we kind of touched on it it's something that's probably going to fuel you in the in the future whether it's in your current positions or you know down the road uh yeah. looking down the road um you know while i've i've looked at some different uh, things in your career and kind of how you looked at things and and maybe some of the position paths he's taken uh looking 10 15 years down the road um you know where do you hope you're going to be in your career or is there any long-term goal that you'd like to meet hmm I try to not plan these things. I always, I did in the beginning, but now I've just kind of, kind of relaxed on it saying that I don't really want to have a plan because I've had so much fun the last five years going into six now that they were so unplanned and so off the cuff that I think that's what made it fun. But now working with Octagon and getting to see the the deal side of it, like actually representing players and, and getting to, it's not just deals and dollars, like getting to actually work with the families and getting yeah. to know the families and, you know, things that have, have happened in their life and just getting to know more about them and the player and seeing them come up through their, their playing age and then getting drafted to the OHL and then potentially the NHL. It's, I really like that side of it. And I, I wanted to pursue that. So that's how I kind of landed with Octagon. But now that I'm actually in it, I'm, I'm a, like a part of it and getting to do some of the interviews with the players, it's, it's really opened up that side of my brain where I do this for a living already with ticket sales and I get to get to talk to people and I get to know people. And then I get to do that on this side as well for potentially representing these players. So I'd like to say that I would, I would probably be an agent in 10 or 15 years. Um, You know, that was always the end goal why I got into the agency business to begin with. I wanted to be an agent and I'm getting to learn now. And I, I wanted to actually do the agency job when I was still in school, like contemplating what I wanted to do next. And right now in my position, I'm a client manager. So I, I oversee the clients that we have in the GTA and then out in the, um, the ETA as well for um, OMHA hockey. But um, like, I think back to that and I'm, I'm not ready to be an agent and that's okay. And in my mind at that time, I thought, no, I, I want to do it. I, I need to be an agent right now or else it's all worthless, but it's really not like I'm learning so much about the whole process of how to actually manage and represent players effectively and how to do it the right way. And I'm okay with where I'm at right now. So I'm, I'm not really planning anything in the future. I'm just going to let it ride out. And like, the only thing you can really control is how hard you work. And that's such yeah. a cliche now, but it's so true. And whatever happens in the future, who gets hired, who gets fired, you, you can't really bet on that. You can't predict that. So I'm just, I'm going to stay away from that now. And I'm just going to focus on what I'm doing and how hard I do it. Yeah, so that's a great, that's a great approach to take in that. And what, what uh, about you? Though? What about you? I want to hear from you later. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's an interesting question. Uh, yeah, no, it's fine. I always like, uh, you know, again, that different perspective. Um, I think scouting has always been kind of a passion. I've, I've looked into agency and obviously I do analytics work with Sarnia and things like that, but maybe down the road, there isn't, uh, like an actual timeline of this. I'd be here by now or, or with this team or whatnot, but anything along the lines of, uh, scouting and player development as well, I think is, is something that I'm, I'm passionate about and, you know, hopefully down the road, uh, at the, even at the NHL level would be, I guess, the ultimate goal of working in scouting or, or some mm-hmm. kind of hockey operations role. But, 
um, like you said, I'm kind of just enjoying the path right now and, and getting the different experiences. And uh, you know, the Newfoundland Growlers one was one that came up from a connection that I made at a summer camp when I was working in, uh, you know, I was 18, 19 years old and, and then I was able to lift the cup on the ice kind of thing. So <laughs> it, uh, it just kind of goes to show that you never know what's going to happen. And I think that's the best part about sport. Yeah, that's what makes it exciting too. Like that's that's what hockey is. You don't know what's going to happen next. So yeah. it's so fun to be a part for that ride. And another thing too, it was actually a quote that I heard from uh, from Kyle Lewis when he was talking about it in a podcast when I was I was younger and I was listening to it. And he said, I, I don't know if planning your career is really the best thing. Like I, I think you kind of eliminate your effectiveness of what you're currently doing if you start focusing on what you're doing next. And I I completely agree with that. Like I know just even with with school like if I was writing a test if I was studying for one subject and I was looking at the next thing that I was going to do like the next project or the, a, a test for another class I it just took my mind away from what I was currently doing and it showed too on the results like I, I wasn't doing as well as I I potentially could have so like applying that process to what I'm doing now I think is it rings so true to like just focus on the here and now what you're doing and just do it to the best of your abilities and the rest will happen later and like we're fairly young right now so we have a lot more runway but it's it just goes to show like you can't plan these things just enjoy it get experience at every level and then when you're ready to go you'll go yeah for sure you'll you'll that's, take that's, that car that's and the process know. that i'm holding on to is like yeah. when i'm ready then i'll be there but yeah. right now i'm not so yeah no great approach to take and and like you said when you're ready to go uh you'll know when it's that moment and and you'll jump in with the know everything you have uh looking at the here and now uh, i know you talked a lot about these two positions throughout the conversation uh the mle mlsc position sorry and your role with octagon sports um right. you know just talk a little bit about how you got into both of those positions and uh in addition to what you've already said just kind of expand it uh expand about how uh your different roles are with the team and, and what kind of what you do there for sure. So I'll, I'll start with the Octagon one. So um, once I had told the storm that I was not going back to Ottawa because I was graduating at that time, um, I was moving on and I was looking for the next thing that I could do. And I, I looked around a bit for hockey operations for another scouting role. But, you know, the, Toronto is very, it's very saturated with scouts. It's hard to get a, an OHL scouting gig in Toronto. And there wasn't many prospects there. But the, the other side of the of my brain that wanted to pursue the agency business was it was still there and I'd met Steve Bisson in Ottawa uh, he was the old Guelph scout and then he he went on to work with Octagon and then I met Andy Andy Scott out there too and uh, we kept a good relationship over my my last year of scouting with Guelph who was an agent and lawyer and we had the law connection because he went to the same school as me and uh and we we already had a pretty good personal connection so um, leaned on him a little bit about what I could do next and if I could potentially work with Octagon and uh, and it, it really wasn't official until September when the Titans tournament rolled around and um, I was at work one day and he said hey we're we're here in Toronto do you want to come for dinner and then maybe we could talk about some things so we went down and uh, and we just talked it out with Rob Hooper who's uh, who's another agent out of, uh, out of Waterloo and then Andy was in from Ottawa so we just talked about a little bit about what I wanted to do um, what I had done prior and uh if this role would even be a good fit for me and you know one thing led to another and and we we were off to the races after that so um again very lucky to be in that role because there's only maybe six or seven of us that work in the ontario division and getting to say that i'm, I'm one of them is, is something that i i hold a lot of pride in 
but uh, but that one led to my octagon role and then my MLSE role. Um, I was working at the bank in the summertime as a student, and then I just actually signed on full time. And I was happy, but I can't even say I was happy. I was I was comfortable with where I was. I, I don't think I was happy. I think I was just comfortable and you know steady paycheck. So I thought, okay, well this is fine. Like I'm only 22, and uh, and at that time I just I remember having one really bad day where I was just. I was very irritable. I didn't want to do what I was doing. And I was standing out on the balcony at my office and um, I just started looking around and I knew some people that had worked at MLSE before that because I met them through the, the Brock University. Like they had a bunch of different um, networking events and um, that were before the game. So they would come down. I understand it better now yeah. that I've actually pulled into some of that stuff. But um, yeah, I got to go down there and I met this guy named Steven Nixon. Uh, when I was 18 years old and I told him that I wasn't too like comfortable staying at Brock and he'd gone to Brock. So I was really leaning on him. He was like a big brother to me. And uh, we stayed in touch for the, the next four years throughout my university career. And then this just came time. It was like fate just, fate just stepped in and said, okay, you're going to go this way now. And uh, I was looking at the job postings and I saw one for the foundation for MLC foundation as an account executive. And I thought, okay, I'm going to apply for that. And I emailed him and he said, okay, Cam, look, are you really comfortable or do you really want to do that job? Or are you just doing it because it says MLSE? And that, that like, I was kind of naive at the time and it kind of hit me like, okay, yeah, you're right. But I still want to work for MLSE. <laughs> and he was like, well, if you don't, if you're not going to be 100% passionate about it, don't apply, just don't do it. Like that, it's just, it's not, it's not genuine. It's not genuine more than anything. And it's just, you're, you know, you could be taking the spot of somebody who actually is very passionate about that. So yeah. if you don't want to do it and you're not passionate about it, just don't apply. So I didn't, I, I moved on. And then sure enough, two weeks later, I just thought I'm going to check again. Now I'm even more kind of just unhappy with where I'm at. And uh, just went on the, the website again and saw a posting for an account executive. And I took a screenshot and I sent it to him. And I was like, that's it. That's, that was the only text I sent with it. I sent him the screenshot and I said, that's it. And he, uh, he sent me a text back and he said, okay, well, you know what to do. And we went through a whole process where we did a group interview. And then it turned into a smaller kind of speed dating style interview. And then it turned into the one-on-four uh, one on interview with the rest of the managers and um, I felt like I really put together some really good interviews and I was pretty confident in myself, but again, you never really know what those things. Cause it's just, it's employment interviews are weird and yeah. yeah, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes and who they like. And you know, if there's anything that you could have done better. So I kind of detached from it. I said, okay, it's over. If I don't get it, I gave it my best foot forward. And, uh, and, and here we are one year later and I, I was fortunate enough to be there, but my actual role with them, uh, just to give a little bit of insight into it. So uh, I sell tickets for the Argonauts and then for the Marlies as well. So I'm over at the BMO field location. And when I sell them, I'm, I'm mainly focused on youth sports and corporate and uh, any kind of other, I'm more of a group sales specialist, but we focus a lot on season membership as well near uh, renewal time. So I've got to get my feet wet in that a little bit. I've gotten to sell group sales, uh, single tickets, flex packs, things like that. So I've gotten to have like kind of a whole smorgasbord of, of ticket sales where I've got to, uh, to enjoy every kind of avenue of it. But yeah. um, mainly I focus on group sales with them. And a lot of it is regarding me reaching out to minor hockey teams in the GTA um, right now, amateur sports for the Argonauts, which um, whether that happens or not, I guess we'll find out in the next couple of months. But 
um, yeah, focus on youth sports for them. So youth soccer, youth baseball, uh, corporate setting. So I, I had done a deal with Alice Don where they got to come down and uh, there was about 45 employees that came out to a Marley's game. So uh, mainly group focused, but it was uh, it was a really good year on paper for us. And um, it was a ton of fun, learned so much and had a blast doing it too. I mean, we're, we're selling hockey tickets to people that like hockey and we're selling football tickets to people that like football you can't really get much better conversations than that. So I've, uh, I've had a blast doing it. It's been a great time. And the companies, I cannot say enough good things about the company. They've taken care of everybody so well during the pandemic and just making sure that everyone's, um, you know, everyone's feeling well mentally, but also performing at their, at their highest level. So nothing but good things to say about them. That's great. And a few people that I've talked with so far on the podcast have kind of been in hockey operations roles, like in the team setting at the moment. So to kind of get your take, obviously going through the team setting and kind of branching into, like you said, agency and group sales through uh, MLSC. It's just another perspective to kind of say, you know, there's there's other avenues to work in sport and, um, you know, through similar paths and, and things that you learn in the hockey operations roles. And and obviously today you're still working with players and, and fans, which uh, kind of goes back on your time with Oshawa as well. Yeah, every that like if there's one thing to take away from all this is that build your network because that follows you and that gives you the experience that you're gonna have for the rest of your life. And that Oshawa job and every other sport related role, like with the Raven Sports Business Club and um, getting to work in scouting, like all of that played into what I do now. And I've had the time of my life the last year. I've had so much fun doing it, and I feel so lucky that I've been able to do it because it's such a it's such a, a, a harped on industry, especially in Ontario and Canada in general, I guess, and getting to work for MLSE. They were like, they were like the end all be all for me when I was 18. And then I finally get to like realize that dream and then also work in hockey operations for an agency and getting to help represent players. It's just, it's been so much fun. It's been, it's been a blast of a year. Yeah, it, it sounds like a, a very interesting time and being able to, you know, really get your hands in every avenue. It's, it's great. Uh, when you're kind of talking with people like yourself who are, uh, have gone through different positions and learned different things, uh, listeners are always interested in knowing uh, what you listen to in your spare time, what do you read, uh, podcasts, people you follow on Twitter, et cetera, uh, to advance your learning and gain new insights. So uh, you know, seeing you're involved in all these areas, what are some of your favorite resources that you look to or that you've learned from in the past? Yeah, so um, at the beginning, I'll give you this example. So at the beginning of my time with Octagon, uh, just naturally, I'm thinking agency, I should probably know what the CBA is all about. So I went on Cap Geek or uh, Cap Friendly, my apologies, and going through them and just reading through uh, the different policies in the CBA and seeing different caps of different teams and just, just kind of getting in the inner workings of how trades worked and, and salary cap and uh, you know cap relief and long-term injury reserve, things like that, just really diving in full, full fledged um, and learning about that. So I use that resource a lot. Um, I'm, I'm a sucker for hockey Twitter. I really am. I've, <laughs> I've taken a big dive into that and uh, getting to follow some of the, the webinars that, uh, that staff leads has ran with, um, with Megan Chaika. And um, I know Rachel Dory was actually featured on one of them too. And they talked a lot about uh, analytics and um, they had like a bit of a tutorial and coding too. And, and just getting to see their take on it and, and seeing the different minds that are also involved in analytics that might not be in a sports 
um, a sports venue, but still being in that role with like a bank or an insurance agency and then getting to use their experience in doing hockey analytics. It's a nice breath of fresh air to kind of get away from just the hockey focused mindset of it. So I really like looking at hockey Twitter sometimes and it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a, a dark cloud sometimes, but I, uh, I enjoy looking into it and, and learning as much as I can, but um, I like looking at other books too. Like Moneyball is such a good book. I, I really like that. And the movie too is great. Um, and actually Brandon got me into to reading a lot about sports too. So he had a, a laundry list of sports books that was sent to him that he also read. So um, any kind of sports analytics reading, I actually have a, a book over there on my shelf for, um, for hockey analytics. So I got to dive into that and it's, a, it's from a few years back. So it's a little bit outdated, but it was a, it was a nice kind of intro book into what analytics is and how do we use it and what does it measure and, you know, all the different things that you need to know about, about hockey analytics or hockey operations and scouting. So um, I like taking all of that information and then just keeping it in the back of my mind because I don't like prioritizing one um, one method of evaluation over another. So I like keeping it in the back of my mind and then using it on my next report when I'm going to watch a player. And, uh, and again, just leaning on friends, like doing stuff like this with, with yourself or getting to talk to maybe like an assistant GM that's at the rink one night that, um, that I have a relationship with, or even just talking to other scouts, just picking their brain on things. And, um, and actually Ben Gallant with the Steelheads, he gave me a lot of really good insight when we were working together out in, uh, out in Ottawa. Uh, he was still with ISS, but Ben was working with uh, a couple people with hockey analytics down in the GTA. And they were saying that uh, just through some of those stats tracking that this player at the beginning of the year was playing left D and was a left hand shot. So in their natural position, but their zone exits were so much better on the right side. And I thought that's kind of unusual. And I remember like thinking back to when I played and I thought I kind of like playing on the right side because I was more of an, I was in a more advantageous spot to shoot the puck if we were in the offensive zone. So I kind of just like playing that. And then if you curl around the net, you're in a more um, viable position to make a breakout pass because it's just your blades more open facing the boards. So I figured, okay, um, that's interesting. And then uh, I talked to his coach after and he said, yeah, he's actually on the right side now permanently because his own exits are just through the roof on that side. And then he talked to the kid and he's a lot more comfortable playing there. So that was like a little tidbit of advice where I thought, okay, that's where I can implement analytics and then word of mouth and then actually talking to his coach and him. And that just kind of validated it for me. So just getting to lean on other hockey minds is like, it's, it's been a game changer for me, especially looking on hockey Twitter and then getting all different ideas and, and kind of implementing that into what I'm watching now too. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's all information. It's all, you can never stop learning. Oh, for sure. And hockey Twitter, like you said, it's a, it's interesting at times and, and sometimes <laughs> you just take a step back and say, what am I reading? But other times it can be so beneficial and so much information. And I like the little story you said there about the, the tendencies that are the right side. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what stats coach the company I started. That's one of the things we do kind of pinpoint if players are, yeah. Um, for, for their own purpose are they going better on one side or away and it kind of like you said it can help them with their coaches and say maybe I should be playing on left side or right side or or different yeah. things like that so yeah just one of those opportunities to learn more and obviously you talk with folks in Moneyball and um, and Megan Chica and Rachel Dory and all these different people who are sharing their insight um, you know Wes Wolf's another one there's a long list of people who who get involved in yeah, Wes is great. I, I saw his piece where the, actually it was the Hockey Analytics Night in Canada, the one that Megan Chek was writing. Yeah. And uh, and she featured Wes Wolf on one of them. And it was like, I'd seen him, I'd never talked to him, but like so insightful, so intelligent yeah. with hockey in general. And it was like, that was one of those moments where you could take from them 
and just implement it into what you're doing. And it's still in the back of my mind, some of the things he was saying and the other things that I've heard Megan Chaika talk about on panels at conferences, they all just kind of sit in the back of my head. So when I go watch, I can implement them at, at ease. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, just so many beneficial people that you can learn from and so insightful and a lot of them having, you know, not really much of a playing background or, or yeah. a minimal playing background. And it just kind of goes to show the way that hockey's leaning. Exactly. Um, through these interactions and, you know, different experiences, uh, you gain a lot of great lessons throughout your time in school and in the sports industry. What are some of the major lessons that you have learned? So the one thing that I, I get asked this a couple times from people, like there was somebody in Ottawa that asked me the same thing. He was looking to get into the business and I, I kind of gave him a cliche answer, but the more I look back on it now, I really wish I had spoken up more in both scouting and school because I don't really like, you can make the argument, are there dumb questions? Maybe, but for the most part, like you just might not be seeing it the right way as somebody else. And like, it's, it's so simple. Just ask a question, just to speak up on things. And that really kind of inhibited me when, or it kind of hindered me a lot with my, uh, my OHL scouting career. I had, I had certain feelings about some of the, some players that we were looking at that I felt weren't really being seen by other people. But then again, like I'm, I'm fairly new. I don't want to speak out of character. And then, you know, I'm a young guy, like I'm, yeah. I'm intimidated by some of these other guys. So I didn't really want to speak out of character on a couple of things. So I just kind of kept my mouth shut. And, uh, and that's okay. Like the draft's gonna, the draft's gonna go on regardless of what I say. But um, I look back on it now and I think there's more to be said about speaking up and being wrong than not saying anything at all. And, and just kind of letting things play out on their own. And somebody who I really learned that from actually was, uh, was Ben. And I just talked about, I'm talking about him a lot this podcast, <laughs> but Ben, um, who, was in the OHL this year, he has made his stance known on players to me and other people in hockey so many times, regardless if we, if we agreed or not. And I think a lot of people just have a tendency to do groupthink when you're on a scouting staff. So one player will say, or um, a, a personnel will say something and everyone around the table will sometimes just go in full agreement. And then there's just no real discussion happening. So Ben was always really good about that, where I would say, oh, I like this player for this reason, that reason, and this reason. And Ben would say, I can see that, but here's what I think. And maybe you're not seeing this the right way as I am, or maybe vice versa. So, like, just hearing him speak up on things, it was more insightful for me to hear that as opposed to disagreeing and just having, like, this one kind of standard thought about a player. And then he started implementing that in some of his uh, in some of his conversations with the GMs and the head scouts and uh, and just other scouts too, where he would just be fully candid about it and be like, "Look, I don't see it that way, and here's why. You might not agree with me, but that's how I think." And I really wish I implemented that when I was with Guelph because there was so much more discussion to be had at times. And I, I look back on it, and it was all good. Like we we all got good players at the end of the day, but there was just like some things I just held on to. There was other things that I feel like I was too vocal about, and uh, I'm looking on it now too. And it's such an important piece to learn just going through life of just like making your opinion known in a respectful way. I'm not saying to start blurting things out, but just being respectful about it and just giving your two cents on it because ultimately, at the end of the day, if you're all in agreement on something aren't you all doing the same job? Like if we're all scouts around a table, if you're all agreeing on something and you just keep agreeing and agreeing and agreeing, there's no discussion happening. 
evaluation might get misconstrued a little bit. So I really think healthy dialogue comes through those disagreements sometimes. And it happens in the workplace, it happens in school, and it happens in hockey. So I really think having healthy dialogue about, you know, maybe something that you're seeing versus what I'm not seeing, I think that's really essential to teams that are looking at drafting players and just overall recruitment for players in general. I think that's that's one of the biggest things that I would have told myself back in the day. And I just, I did not do enough of it. Maybe it's because I'm shy, but I just didn't want to speak out of character. And I really wish I could change that now, but yeah. hey, what can you do? Yeah, it's just one of those things. Um, so you named a pretty good lesson there and, and talked about it. Um, but people often say these lessons come from interaction uh, in your experiences and interaction with uh, mentors. Uh, looking back at your career, I know you've mentioned quite a few people, but who are some of the main mentors who uh, have helped you get into the position that you are today? Yep. So uh, number one for breaking me into the business uh, was TJ Clark. And we, we don't talk a whole lot anymore. Um, you know, we kind of just went our own ways and, and life happens and whatnot. But I, from what I've heard, I, I hear he's doing well. So I, I hope he, he keeps plugging away and um, gave me a lot, gave me opportunities as a player and then to get me into the role I'm doing now. Um, you know, he was one of them. A lot of my coaches from when I was younger too, they really helped me out. We're just setting me up for success by just instilling hard work values in me. And just, if you're going to do something, do it right. And it's, again, it's a cliche, but it's true. If you're going to do anything, just do it to your fullest potential and just do it right. So they were a big influence on me. One of them, his name was uh, Tony Helm. He, he was huge for me. And then, um, and then even Bruce Beechner, he's coaching the, uh, the Red Wings in the GTHL now, but he was, uh, he was, he was hard on us at times, but I'm, I'm glad he was because that, that really kind of showed me that no matter how hard you're working, you could always work harder. And we yeah. did it a lot in practice where he, he begged us some days and in the moment it's like, God, I, I don't want to do this. It sucks. I'm not learning anything right now, but I learned that there's consequences for my actions. If we're not playing or if I'm not giving you hundred percent, I'm, I'm fully willing to accept that and I'll, I'll take the punishment for it. So that really leaned, that really taught me a lot when I was, uh, when I was 17 years old. And then, um, even to this day, like the Guelph storm, they, they pretty much set me up for what I'm doing now. And it was a hell of a ride. I learned a ton from George and Wade and Phil and, and Justin and, you know, you can go down the list. Like there was a scouts that were around for like 30 years at that point and just getting to see their hard work and seeing their perspectives and being around the game so much, they helped instill that into me. And then it, they showed like Phil was at the, he was at that point in his life where he had two kids, he had a third on the way, but he's still at the rink all the time. Like he, he worked so hard and seeing that as an up and coming guy, I'm thinking, okay, I have to work that hard. If I want to get to where he's at, I have to work that hard. So just an insane amount of respect for everyone in that organization that, that helped me get to where I am today. And then even though, even with Octagon, they really helped me out too, just giving me the opportunities and help teaching me things. So I think, I really do think there's, there's no bad relationships in your life. Cause I think at, at the end of the day, you learn from bad, like both bad and good. I think if you're in a role and it's not for you, if you have to quit, there's no hard feelings about that. At least you figured out that that job wasn't for you. So just being in all the roles now, whether they were right, <clears throat> whether they were right or wrong for me at the time, they all led to where I'm at now and they helped teach me what I, what I like and what I don't like. So just everyone along the way, I've had a, an insane amount of respect for, and I feel very lucky that I got to work with them. It really built, it really takes a community to 
um, you know, bring someone up and, and same thing goes in hockey. Like you said, you, you touched on people in the very beginning and some people you don't even have the opportunity to talk to anymore, but uh, looking back, they still obviously play a major part. Um, so you had some advice earlier and you talked about that you'd like to maybe have given yourself that advice earlier on, but as a final question, it's kind of how I go with every person on the guest, uh, every guest story on the podcast here. Uh, looking back on your career and everything that you've experienced, if you could speak to yourself at 17 or even just a, you know, speak to the listeners of this podcast who are looking to get in a similar position, what is one piece of advice that you would give them? What piece of advice would I give to somebody else? May sound cliche, but do everything and do it well. And like just there's one example that I, I keep going back to. I've done a couple of these podcasts and that's always a question that comes up and I think it's, it has a lot of value, but um, I had done volunteer work for the Niagara Lock Monsters, <laughs> the semi-pro lacrosse team out of Niagara. And at that time, like, it was such a new thing that even I'm kind of on the bus going down there being like, what am I getting myself into here? <laughs> but it was, it was opportunity for me. It was like, I can learn from other people in a field that I'm not familiar with. And at the end of the day, like, if I learn one new thing, that's, that's fine. And I went down there and just seeing how hard people worked, I was like, wow, okay, from game day to ticketing to volunteers that came out and, and dedicated their hard, their their private time just to helping the organization get off the ground. I was like, wow, okay. And then I, I got to dip my toe into game day operations. And then I got to kind of work like security, quote unquote, and take tickets from people and then help clean up, tear down things, put them up, like put them back up and then just being a part of that whole process and seeing how an organization's run, that was huge for me. And and I still use those values in every job I do. So like, like we talked about earlier with scouting and, and you're a great example of this, you can have a role, but that's not going to stop you from going out and just doing everything else along with it, just to be a part of it. Like if you're doing analytics, I still see you in the ring scouting. So it's like, just do everything. Just keep learning from every opportunity that you have that comes your way and just do it to the best of your abilities. And and you're going to learn so much. Like you can't just, you can't be just like, you can't have one skill and just ride that for your entire career. It's not going to, it's not going to bode well. I think you have to evolve over time as a professional, especially in sports. And I think you need to learn different assets that are going to help you moving forward. So again, like scouting, that's what I did. That's what I've been doing. But I was not a numbers guy, but I tried my best to learn analytics because it's going to help me get better. And that's the way the game's kind of going right now. So I like looking at that, understanding it, learning how to do it, and then implementing it into what I'm doing next. So that was, that's a piece of advice that I think a lot of people need to know is that it, it, just don't be, don't be one dimensional, be, have multi, have multi-level assets to your your skill set that you can use whether it's scouting whether it's ticketing whether it's hr whether you're doing social media for a team doesn't matter but just have have a bunch of school skills in your tool belt and then just just work hard i think that's a phenomenal piece of advice and one that everybody should gravitate towards and it's also maybe a great way to finish off the podcast here cameron i just want to thank you for taking time to come on and and talk about your experiences and i know we've you know had the opportunity to talk in the rinks in the past but it's great catching up and talking hockey and uh, you know, I just want to wish you all the best moving forward. You got it, bud. I appreciate it, man. It's, it's been fun. It's new. It's a new podcast, but I've, I've been enjoying the guests you've had on. So hopefully people will enjoy this and all the guests to come. I appreciate it, man. All right. Take care. Take care, buddy.
I'd like to thank Cameron for coming on the podcast and sharing his story in what was a fun back and forth conversation. He provided a lot of insight throughout, really going in depth on the early career decision making with school and other positions. So again, I'd like to thank him for coming on and providing that insight. If you would like to get in touch with Cameron to discuss his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact Podcast at Outlook.com and I can look to make the connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Mike Zolt, the Director of Hockey Operations and Analytics for the Kitchener Rangers. Having a different background to the OHL and having a strong grasp on analytics, there's a lot to learn from his thought process and story, so stay tuned for the release of that episode. As a final note, thank you for the continued support, stay safe, and all the best.